One, two, one, two, three. Rest, my love. You don't have to run anymore. You don't have to fight the thoughts that keep you up at night. The walls at your door. It will only get more clear. So much better from here. You're not alone, and you'll never be alone again. Father fucker. Chapter 8. Later in the night, rehearsing for our theater production at my castmate's apartment, I'm on fire. The canyon sunset fresh in my mind, I'm having a blast acting. I'm unprecedentedly confident and free, inspired by my time spent with Jake Easton. He's smitten, and I know it. Perhaps I'm projecting, but I think my castmates, Kurt, Anna, and Ryan, sense my charged energy as they act off me. And so does my director, Paul Dice. I always come alive when I'm acting, even in a small apartment without an audience. Tonight, I'm more fired up than usual. The artistic vibe is at full throttle. I'm feeding into it and off of it. Damn, I feel like I'm gonna explode. During the past five weeks of rehearsal, The power of creativity has swirled around me for the first time since I landed my last role, almost a year ago. Pickings are slim, and playing Cheryl in Hooters is the biggest role I've sunk my teeth into. I'm the star of the play. Kurt's acting frustrates him toward the end of our last scene together, and so we take a break. To keep my sake buzz alive from dinner with Jake, I pop into Kurt's kitchen and pour a glass of Chardonnay. Kurt approaches from behind. I turn to him and identify a definite flicker of distress in the nervous twitch of his golden eyes. Hey, what's going on with you? Kurt crowds my personal space. You seem different tonight. I'm having a blast, I gush. Rehearsal's going great, don't you think? Kurt and I met two months ago. He's been bubbling with praise for my talents the whole time. It's the type of validation I crave and upon which I thrive, so we've been getting on well. It's good. He relaxes some. But I think you're a little off tonight. Maybe you should tone it down. My smile inverts. My stomach drops. He's caught me off guard. I don't know what to say. Kurt and I live in the same apartment building, and we've been spending excessive time together. During my broke and despondent days, Kurt's been here, with an ear, a shoulder, and a meal. He gave up trying to pursue me romantically weeks ago. And anyhow, he's entertaining a rather tumultuous romantic entanglement with my younger cousin, Francesca. Cousin Frankie and I have both come to realize that, despite Kurt's positive energy and praise, he's a 24-year-old child, especially when he doesn't get his way. Part of his way is being the center of attention. Our upcoming three-night run of Hooters at the famed Stella Adler Theater in Hollywood is Kurt Haven's vanity project. His parents are forking out the dough for the production. It's a charity benefit for FSA, For the Sake of Art, a startup nonprofit dedicated to bringing art, music, and drama back to California schools. It's a noble cause in which the Havens have heavily involved themselves. I respect this, but can't help but suspect their agenda is twofold. Kurt's father is a high-powered corporate attorney whose occupation keeps him 
just on the fringe of Hollywood elite. Appearances are clearly important to Kurt's mother. Their involvement with FSA includes outreach to influential entertainment industry types. They're attempting to break in as the next big showbiz charity for big names to get behind, but it hasn't caught fire just yet. Kurt has big dreams of making it as a movie star. This could be his big break. His parents will go to any length or cost to see their baby shine. They've handed him the quote-unquote producer reins, and he is adamantly running the show, as he displays tonight. He looks me up and down. We all know you have a tendency to overact, Kurt chastises. Just watch yourself. He spins on his heel and maniacally claps his hands. Let's get this going, guys, he hollers as if he's the director. Rehearsal's going great. How dare he tell me to tone it down? The first rule I learned in professional acting class is that an actor is never to direct another actor. That is the job of the director. My work pleases my director, Paul Dice, so Kurt has nothing to say to me. I swallow my pride this time and wash it down with a hefty gulp of Chardonnay. Rehearsal runs another hour. It goes fine, but Kurt has swiped the wind from my sails. I go downstairs to my apartment at 11. It's the first night Kurt doesn't call to rave about how amazing rehearsal went and how stellar my acting is. The tone has shifted, and I'm concerned. Tension in the cast is building. I have to protect my character. I have to protect Cheryl. For five weeks, cast and director have rehearsed diligently in Kurt's apartment. His parents have scheduled to set up a mock set on the tennis court at their Bel Air home in another few weeks, so we can up our rehearsal game. I don't want to sabotage the production, but Kurt's behavior is eating at me. I don't appreciate the way he spoke to me. Anxiety about the future is a constant presence anyhow. A consistent yoga practice helps maintain balance as I teeter back and forth between depression and mania. Moments spent rehearsing have been giving me hope. Now I fear tension with Kurt will destroy that hope. Thank God for my new job with Jake Easton. Around midnight, I step into a steamy shower and crawl into bed, exhausted. As I lay my head on the pillow, I remember Jake's CD. I pop it into the player. My eyes flutter shut as the soothing sound of Jake's wistful voice, legendary troubadour songs, and the powerful angelic belt of Catherine Millay mingle with nonsensical thoughts that mark the start of my dream state. Rest my you don't have to worry so much Don't have to be afraid Drown under the weight Fear even the slightest touch You've finally been set free From the darkness, the bad dreams You're not alone And you'll never be alone again 